Hello, and welcome to Baker McKenzie's Resilience, Recovery, and Renewal podcast series, dedicated to helping your organization navigate the full continuum of the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Whether you're managing the immediate crisis, stabilizing operations, or evolving your business, this podcast will cover key insights to help strengthen your organization's capacity to respond, recover, and thrive. My name is Jennifer Northam, and I've spent over 20 years as a producer and journalist covering international business issues for leading news organizations. COVID-19 has highlighted weaknesses across every business and every sector around the world. It's also shown a light on opportunities. In this episode, we'll be discussing how it has affected diversity and inclusion within the workplace. We'll look at the lessons learned from the crisis as we strive for a better normal. Today, I'm joined by Jean Lee, the CEO of the Minority Corporate Council Association and former Vice President and Assistant General Counsel at J.P. Morgan Chase. Anna Brown also joins us. She's the Director of Global Diversity and Inclusion at Baker McKenzie and Sunny Mann, a partner in Baker McKenzie's London office and a member of the firm's Global DNI Committee. We're recording this podcast from our homes in light of the COVID-19 social distancing rules. Jean, let me start with you. This pandemic has thrown up many challenges for the legal industry and the overall business community, including the challenge of having a remote workforce. While it's nice for many to lose the commute, others are having to juggle a full-time job with homeschooling, caring for the family, and other domestic duties. How has that changed the landscape when it comes to diversity and inclusion? First, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be with you virtually. You know, I think it's changed in many, many different ways, especially for people of color. I think that the opportunity to be seen becomes even more important because it is much harder to be seen. When you're in the office, you are running into people in the hallways. You can grab someone and brainstorm by walking down the hall to a colleague's office. When you are virtual, you have to make more of an effort. But what I have heard from many of our constituents is that for many people of color, You're also managing not only homeschooling, all of those things, but you have elderly parents, relatives who who are now staying with you because of COVID-19. So you have quite a full house that you're you're managing in addition to the work and the day-to-day. I think that makes it very challenging. I hear that also similarly from working mothers because children are not used to having their parents at home and are used to going to school. So it it has changed quite a bit in terms of dynamic, in terms of responsibility, in terms of opportunity. And Sunny, many will say that everyone working from home will have leveled the playing field. So men are also working from home. They also have now domestic responsibilities or more domestic responsibilities. Do you think that there's a silver lining in this as it relates to more of a conscious sharing of the burden at home? It's interesting. If you you think back to the start of the pandemic a few months back, people were talking about COVID-19 being the great equaliser. I'm not really sure that is necessarily the case. In fact, if you look at it, women do seem to be picking up many more responsibilities uh, and juggling many more home responsibilities than they have typically done in the past. If you look at lawyers of colour, they are being hurt by the COVID-19 pandemic much more than other communities. If you look at the LGBT plus community, they have this sense that they are impacted by the isolation much more than other people. 
People from lower income households are, are challenged much more by their home setup or the lack of. Now, when we talk about these experiences and share them amongst the team, you know, I'm quite open about the fact that we may not all fully, completely understand each other's experiences and each other's challenges, but everyone is impacted to some extent. At the end of the day, we are all in this together, but with admittedly different lived experiences. And so I think what we all have to try and do is just listen to each other, do our best to empathise, provide as much flexibility as we feasibly can to, to colleagues. And I'd like to think if there's one good thing that's going to come out of this very challenging experience, it's that we all have a little bit more humanity and we're all open to understanding each other's challenges more. Now, Anna, Sunny has already touched on this, but the data really is beginning to show that the pandemic is disproportionately impacting communities of colour and women in many parts of the world. What should companies look to do so that they can help mitigate this impact? Thanks so much, Jen, and so nice to, to be with you and Sunny and, and Jean today. And that's right. I mean, I certainly agree with what Sunny has said. We are certainly seeing the impact of uh, COVID-19 uh, on different communities, uh, in particular with communities of color. I think one thing companies can do, and I've certainly seen this at Baker McKenzie, is check in on people. You know, reach out. So much of this is you know, being close. Having a, a focus on well-being is so critically important right now. Not just the physical well-being, because of course this is a health pandemic, but also the mental health well-being. And for all of the reasons that Jean has stated and that Sunny has stated, isolation, feeling disconnected, some people being alone, others being overwhelmed, taking on becoming teacher and parent, and as well as our day-to-day work responsibilities can all have a toll. So well-being is critical and important and staying in touch, I think, is part of that, but also for businesses to be flexible. I think this is one other thing that, that Sunny mentioned. You know, in terms of we may need to work differently in terms of hours of availability and to be able to to recognize that that may need to happen as well. And also in terms of our ability to continue relationships, the mentoring, the sponsorship. These are important relationships that existed, hopefully, for many people before COVID. They need to continue to grow during this time. So all very important. And Jean, I have a similar question for you, but really in the context of the global financial crisis. You know, in 2008, we saw a similar story as it relates to who was most impacted. What are some lessons learned from that crisis that we should really be taking into consideration today? I think that when you're in times of crisis, people go to what's comfortable. And I think that's, that's what happened in 2008 when people thought about, okay, what, what can we cut? What can we focus on? Where do we invest more? And I think in 2008, and it's different now because to our point earlier, we're virtual. So in addition to dealing with the financial crisis that is coming about, and I think hopefully this is much more of a continuing liquidity issue rather than an insolvency issue that we saw in 2008, which is completely different. But I think one of the things that we really need to remember is that diversity and inclusion is important. It has become a fabric of how we do business. And more importantly, law firms like Baker McKenzie and clients have made a lot of effort in the last four to five years, and we are starting to see progress albeit small, but we are starting to see progress and people are starting to focus on really incorporating diversity, equity, and inclusion as a 
part of the way in which they do business. And I think it's important for law firms or any business not to forget about that piece and not to lose the gains that they have made, however small it is, and to continue to push forward. We really can't afford to lose associates of color and people of color like we did in 2008. And I think with collective collaboration between clients and law firms, that will not happen in the way it happened in 2008. So really keeping a focus on DNI as we have in the past few years and not losing sight of that because we are virtual. Once again, it is very easy out of sight, out of mind. Great points. So Sunny, then, so what are some of the essential things maybe for corporate leadership that they should keep in mind about how the crisis is impacting those different communities and in different ways? I mean, especially as more jurisdictions move towards, you know, the full or partial reopenings. Sure. I think when I think of leadership and what they've got to be focused on today, I think the message is actually quite simple. You know, if you want to win the war on talent, if you want to continue maintaining strong decision-making processes, if you want to keep on having high levels of innovation within your organisation, if you want to keep on driving employee motivation and satisfaction, if you want to continue having a robust and strong profile and reputation in the market, now is not the time to go soft on inclusion. Today, decisions are being made around business plans, business priorities, budgets, cost cutting, and inclusion needs to be woven into the heart of that strategy. And it needs to be done today, not next year, not in six months when we're emerging out of this crisis. That may be too late. Inclusion, diversity, these are pillars that need to be at the heart of a corporate strategy today. So Gina, Sunny says, and as as you've said, we've seen that momentum in recent years and, and how important diversity and inclusion is when it comes to corporations really prioritizing that. I mean, how has this pandemic really influenced that commitment? What are some of the things that you're hearing from the corporate leaders that you speak to? And are there any major changes in that commitment or new priorities that might have cropped up from this crisis? I think most if not all of the corporate leaders that I have connected with in the last 90 plus days have doubled down on inclusion. And they, they realize the challenge of being virtual and they have really embraced it in a way that is incredibly inspiring and great to see in general. One of the many things that I hear as a common theme across the board from many of the general counsels whom we work with is that they're checking in more. They're more accessible. And while it takes away from their own personal time where they can log off, they're, they're spending that additional hour or two and being available after hours so that their team, if they have a question, they have a need just to connect, they are available. In addition to that, the frequency in which they connect. Some of our general counsels are global general counsels of, of 200, 400 plus people globally. They're having global town halls so that they can connect with more of their teams collectively together. And they're also having it more rather than having it once a quarter, they're having it once a month. They're also making sure how they incorporate inclusion. One of the things that some folks have talked about is, okay, if we're asking people to work remotely for a couple of weeks, you know, that may not be a big deal, but working remotely for a few months, it creates challenges for people. So a lot of leaders have incorporated budgets so people can buy a comfortable desk, a comfortable chair, so so that they have 
what it takes to produce their best work. They're thinking about it to ensure that everyone has access to those because some people may not have the financial ability to buy a desk to make sure that their home office is comfortable versus another person. And I think those are, those are things that we're seeing from GCs in addition to having conversations about how people are doing. You know, it's not, it's not a therapeutic session, but really checking in and, and, and not just asking how's everyone doing, but asking very specific questions about their day-to-day. What is your day like? What are the things that we can do better as a company, as a team, to ensure that not only are you successful at your job, but your well-being is also addressed? Great. Now, Anna, you've recently co-authored an article published in Bloomberg on this very topic. I'd love to hear from you about the critical nature of mentorship in times of crises such as this. Could you just share a little bit about that with us? We know, as I I mentioned before, that during these times when we're not uh, together, that sometimes relationships become distant, right? So these a lot of mentorship happens very organically when you see people and coming into contact with them. They're not always long conversations. Sometimes they're they're just you know kind of small touch points in terms of some of the how we've maintained those those relationships, which may not translate into our virtual settings. And so being more purposeful about that is very important because we know that mentoring is critically important to our diversity and inclusion efforts. It's really key to development. And these are relationships that take time to develop and we don't want to lose them. So if anything, one is to, to maintain the relationships that we have and hopefully through this platform, to develop new relationships, mentoring relationships, because we are connecting more closely. And and oftentimes we're connecting from places where we feel the safest, our homes. So sometimes it's easier to have these conversations, but it's also about mentors having the opportunity to be candid in their feedback, um, particularly if they're in a position where they can evaluate work and other, other performance. And that's very, very helpful. What we have found in the past is that that type of feedback uh, in terms of ways that we can challenge our, ourselves is critically important to you know, pivoting to behaviors that, that can be more helpful in terms of career advancement. So all of that is very important. One other thing that I might add to that that Jean mentioned on in terms of companies and corporations, we are hearing, you know, Baker McKenzie, we hear from, from clients on maintaining the importance of, of diversity and inclusion. I think it's wonderful. We welcome that. I remember back in 2008, you know, where things just happened very, very quickly. And one of the things I'm seeing right now is so much more innovation, you know, in terms of how we respond. These virtual platforms are such a game changer, I think in our, if they call it the next normal, that hopefully will bring forward some of these wonderful new habits that have developed and, you know, ways of, of staying in, in touch and uh, being able to, to communicate better because we have had to do that, right? We've had to have more communication, better communication, greater clarity. We sure have. And finally, I'd like all three of you to give us some insights on protecting those gains that we've made in increased representation as we navigate through these challenges. I want to hear your advice to leaders, to diversity professionals, to affinity groups, and to diverse talent. Jean, if we can start with you, can you give us some advice for leadership? I would say be honest, be vulnerable, and listen. It's been a tough time in the United States. There have been many protests in addition to dealing with COVID-19 because of the racial disparities in this country. 
to say that it will just pass and ignore or be silent. It's going to hurt communities and your employees and your colleagues and your team even more. So be honest, be vulnerable, and, and share your thoughts and listen. I think those are the three things that I would say to leaders. Great advice. Anna, what's your advice for affinity groups and diversity professionals? We have to be proactive, you know, constantly. And I couldn't agree with Jean, well, with what Jean said in terms of that vulnerability. That's very key to having honest and candid dialogue and conversation. But being purposeful is also extremely important that, you know, to make progress, we have to be thoughtful about this. We have to be proactive. And we also have to recognize that inequality is a global concern and that it's a concern for our our society, for our businesses and for all of our our communities. As Jean mentioned, certainly the, the current situation in the U.S., the that have occurred have shown us you know clearly how we have to continue to 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 be proactive to stand up when we see things that are not right that are inappropriate to use our voice that we have and these are all important things that we can do as individuals not just with regard to our organizations because at the end of the day it's through our individual efforts that really help to change a culture right and sunny we're going to leave you with the last word what is your advice for diverse talent Always dangerous to leave me with the last word, but happy to do so. So, um, I have to agree with that. <laughs> there, there are a few things. I think on the first one, I'm going to quote a very learned person, Anna Brown. So you heard Anna say a few minutes ago, reach out. And actually, I want to encourage our minority talent to reach out to stay engaged, to stay visible with stakeholders around them, whether that's leadership, line managers, coaches, peers, people who may report into them like PAs, clients, yeah, reach out to them, listen to them and take on board their feedback. I think the second one I would add is when, when I reflect on my career, the times when I've probably grown the most is when I've faced a challenge. We are all in a challenge together now. So use this as an opportunity to grow, to expand your horizons, to push yourself. Yeah. So Think about how you can continue adding value to the organisation that you're embedded within, whether it's, you know, think about reaching out to a client or delivering internal training, contributing to business development initiatives or you know, contributing to pro bono or CSR opportunities. And then I think the third one is, is flexibility. You know, just as we said, a good leader needs to be flexible in terms of how she or he engages with their talent. I think talent also needs to be flexible in return with management. Yeah, This is probably one of the biggest crises, economic crises that we've all been through together. There is no playbook and even leaders are having to learn as they go through this. So give a little bit of flexibility to them. Things may be a little bit messy at times. Yeah, It may not be as slick and smooth as we all want it to be. But this is life at the moment. And if you have ideas, tell them, share those ideas. As I said, there's no playbook. You know, leaders want to hear from the people around them if they've got good suggestions and contributions to make. And, and just tell them you're there for them. Great advice. Well, I just want to thank everybody for your time today. It's been a really interesting conversation. So thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
For those listening, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send any comments or questions to 3rpodcast at bakermckenzie.com. That's the number three, the letter R, podcast at bakermckenzie.com. Or contact us through the Baker McKenzie social media accounts. Use the hashtag Resilience Recovery Renewal. More information on this topic is also available on our website at bakermckenzie.com.